This is Until All Are Free, a podcast by the Exodus Road. I'm Preston Goff. A few months back, we released the episode called Pin Drop. Matt shared a story of a chance encounter he had in a taxi, driving over a set of railroad tracks and seeing women working in the shadows. It took Matt years to find that location again. But when he did, he dropped a pin on his phone so that they could follow up investigations at that location. If you haven't given that episode a listen, I want you to stop now, seriously, push pause, and go take a listen before jumping into this episode. Well, if you're still here, I'm excited to bring you an update on the pin drop operation and offer another perspective from David Zock, the investigator that Matt sent on this case. The title pin drop has significance beyond what I had initially realized, and you'll want to learn why. A quick note, this episode has mature themes that might not be suitable for all listeners. Okay, here's the story. When I listened to the pin drop episode, I wasn't sure what operation that we were talking about until I learned about it a little bit. And I, I was part of the team that went down to that alley walked over the train tracks with dogs barking into a place where Matt says, I'm not I'm not quite sure if there's anything going on here, but go and look. For me, the there, it was a little bit ironic that the operation was called Pin Drop. I had to drop a pin that night too, but it was in a different way. Well, the first night, we were there to go and check out some old intelligence that Matt had about an alley and he'd always that alley had always bothered him that he'd never he could never get back to it so when he did see it again years later like he talked about in the podcast he dropped a pin so he sent us out he said this is different it's a little more dangerous i don't have no idea what i'm sending you into so be prepared be alert and we showed up there with the whole purpose of just doing some some reconnaissance finding out what's going on with no intention other than trying to capture covert footage evidence of what's going on in the dark, you know, flickering lights. And I was disappointed when we first got down there because I'm looking at my GPS, I'm looking at the pin drop. I'm like, there's nothing here. We're on this pin drop. And I was like, well, let's walk down this way. And in Carlton directions, you you can get mixed up, you can get, get backwards. But I was like, oh, here's the train tracks. Here's the road. And then I realized, okay, it might be down here a block. And we almost gave up. If you drove by it and you're a tourist, you'd be like, oh, that's weird. There's like a few girls standing out there. And, and then if you look closer, you see, oh, there's even more in the shadows. The operation that they were running is a small operation. There's like 20 girls, maybe. Trucks on either side with security sitting in those trucks and outside of those trucks. And a table with some food and then a couple lawn chair type things and then a back alley. Somehow locals know that's where you can drive through and buy sex for cheap and oftentimes with underage girls. The second night we went back to that alley, we had to get evidence that these girls were for sale for sex and, and we put our heads together and, and we wanted to convince everybody there that my team, my buddies, you know, we're we're just we're, we're stumbling into this. You don't just 
show up at this alley, you know? So we're just stumbling into this alley as some stupid foreigners. And why, from their perspective, are we walking in this alley? You know, why don't we go to one of these, all the different commercial sex areas that are selling girls as well? You know, they're going to be suspicious. Are these guys here? Are these guys law enforcement? Are these guys working with law enforcement? How do we keep them from being suspicious? And what we came up was saying, this guy's been in t- in the country for a week. We've been partying and celebrating, and, and he hasn't even... You know he's he's never really had a good time, so we're gonna we're gonna buy him a good time, and we're gonna make a big show of everybody pulling out their money, so that the girl knows that they're all buying the girl for me, and everybody else sees them like pushing me forward and saying, "Hey, you know, don't be shy," type thing, you know, and so that when I was with her, I could let her know that, hey, they 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 just did this. I'm not really interested. Let's just talk for a bit. The place where they told me I would take the girl they kind of motioned over behind him so I assumed that the place where you take girls from this alley was a maybe a hotel or a little place where they have rooms within a block of there that's what it seemed like to me when we were in the middle of it and that's what was in all of our heads based on what we all observed the night before and they're gonna go and maybe hang out in the lobby of a hotel if it's a hotel or maybe get a drink across the street and yeah the team is going to and that keeps me safe keeps me accountable, you know, because from the moment I'm 100% of the time that I am with that girl, there is video evidence of the whole event. And a lot of times, some of that video evidence is coming from the other guys or, or gals that are running support on the operation. So we were completely blindsided when a vehicle pulled up because we were like, where do I go? And they're like, Oh, right here, and a car pulls up, and they're they're like getting the car, and one of my buddies, you know, I'll never, I I'll never forget. He's like, "Don't do anything I wouldn't do." The door shuts, and then I'm like, "Oh no, where am I going now?" Um, there's a significant amount of fear in, <laughs> at that point for me because I'm in a car, barely know where I am on the map, you know, taken away from my team who oftentimes my team are, are guys that have seen direct action. They've seen action, they've taken action, and I am a musician. <laughs> and if something goes down, other than having this, this woman from Australia teach me a few like, like stun and run techniques in my living room, she beat me up in front of my wife in my living room. Um, I don't really have a lot of you know experience with that side of things. And so I'm alone, you know, I'm alone in a major city in Asia in a vehicle with a man that's a criminal driving me and a child somewhere, a teenager driving us somewhere. And I have no idea where that is. And so I'm texting the team like, hey, I'm in a car. It's taking a ride at the end of the block. At that point, there's so much going on. There's so many different reasons to be nervous. There's this 15-year-old girl sitting in the car with me that's scared of me and I'm trying to keep her from you know I'm, I'm i'm i don't want her to be scared and um but we came up with a contingency plan you know i i'm they just said share a pin so i shared several pins here more it was, felt like a felt like a half an hour drive but it was probably 10 minutes and then we're there and i'm trying to keep this girl from being scared, trying to pretend that I'm that I'm still going to go through with this, communicating with the team. 
This place was like, you could call it a hotel that where I ended up, where the car dropped me off. And the whole time I'm just like, what do we do now? Nobody speaks the same language. She speaks zero English. She does, she does not know any English words. Um, so you're communicating via Google Translate on her phone and your phone, and that's not very um, accurate. Google Translate's not. So you just have to go with the flow. But she knew exactly what she was supposed to do. She walks in, in what would feel like a lobby of a hotel, there was somebody that handed her a key, and she took, took me up to the second floor. And that was where I was able to tell her, I'm not really interested in going through with this, but let's let's wait a little bit and pretend. And she actually wrote on her phone to me when we're when we're when we're together. She's she's like, so actually you're being coerced to do this. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I am. So and she laughed. She thought it was funny, you know. And we were able, you know, once that once she realized that I wasn't gonna go through with it there was a great chance for me to get an incredible amount of information from her, really incriminating everybody that was there and, and everybody that was involved. And she's a trafficked girl. She is 100% trafficked and I know it. And I have video of her saying it and she's scared, but I didn't have to say, Hey, don't tell the people that we didn't go through this. I can just simply say to her, Hey, don't tell anybody. I don't want my friends to know they spent some good money on this. So, Let's just stay here for another 10 minutes and let's then let's go back over so everybody and then she's in on it, you know, without without having any idea that I'm there to try to rescue her. She still has no idea, uh, which keeps her safe and keeps the operation safe. That was what was not not exciting for me a second time is I'm not sure at that point where my team is, but I'm trusting. And uh, I told them what floor I was on, what room we went to. And then I walk out. Later on, I see footage from their perspective of me walking out. They're getting the license plate of the vehicle. They're doing a great job. That vehicle takes me back over to that alley. And then I'm just stuck in that alley hanging out with that group of people by myself waiting for my team to come back with the traffickers, with the girls they're selling on my own as car after car after car pulls up and buys girls and leaves with girls. Because the reason they brought a car is because it's just abnormal for people to buy girls on foot in this in this location. Because usually those guys will take the girls and then the girls are responsible for getting a motorcycle taxi back over to that alley. So that I was there for probably 20 minutes, just me. They did not want me sitting down in the area where they're doing business, because because all the all the customers were like, "What's this white dude doing here?" And so they kept on moving me way down, and uh, probably twenty, yeah, probably thirty yards away. And I'm just sitting there videotaping the whole thing the whole time, getting evidence, and and then I just kind of would wander over and try to make an excuse to be back over because I wanted to get a really good screen grab of every single person's face, whether they're a victim or a broker or security, license plates of the vehicles, proof of what's going on. And it worked out great. My team, they were there shortly behind me. They were, I think they jumped on motorcycle taxis. So, and then I had total peace because I knew that my team would, no, no matter where I end up, my team was gonna be there with me watching. And so when I heard the episode with Matt, I thought it was ironic that it was called Pin Drop.
Well, a big thank you to David Zock for sharing this story with us. David is the frontman for the band Remedy Drive, whose latest albums are influenced by Zock's experience working undercover with the Exodus Road. You can listen to Remedy Drive on major streaming platforms or purchase their music at remedydrive.com. Until All Are Free is a podcast by the Exodus Road, a nonprofit dedicated to the strategic fight against human trafficking around the world. You can learn more about the Exodus Road at theexodusroad.com. The podcast is hosted by me, Preston Goff, and produced by Isaac Lay. Our internal themes are produced by Lucas Lay, and the music you've heard on the intro and outro was generously donated by City of Sound. We're working hard on new episodes of the podcast right now, and I don't want you to miss out. So take a moment and subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode to be notified when our next show is available. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd love for you to take a moment to rate and review us. It really does help. All the things we had suspected, she confirmed. And she was giving me names, she was giving me addresses, where they held her, how it all worked. It's, it's, the, it's, it's any sort of environment where everything in you tells you to cross the street and walk the other way. Matt always was like curious about those places. You get this sentiment from survivors of, hey, I'm, you know, I got out, but I left girls behind. And promise me you'll go back and, and get them. And then it's a slow moving elevator. They're never, we've been in a lot of elevators together and all of them are a little bit spooky. <laughs> and I'm highly suspicious at this moment because I've been in lots of clubs, I've been undercover in lots of clubs, and very few of them had the same feeling. And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking this is a setup. 